I'll let her do that first. Um, go ahead and start recording. Thank you, Martha. Welcome to everybody. Those of you that have returned and, uh, from being gone a little while, those that came back from the summer, and the new students that we've got. It's great to see such a great number of people here. And uh, we look forward to your teaching. Oh, you. thank you. <laughs> You're quite welcome. Just a few administrative things. One is we want, whenever there's a need in the class, to lift you up in prayer and we found our best way to do it is for you to write out a prayer request, and there's a bowl on the table every week. Drop it in there, and Brenda will right up send front them here. out to everyone. Uh, she's done a wonderful job keeping up with this, and she uh, writes some of the nicest prayers that I've ever seen. Yeah, so I know she does. Thank you, Brenda, oh. for what you do for us. Yeah, Brenda, thank you. <laughs> Aw. The other thing is, is if you all have not seen it, there is a table full of food <laughs> over there. We call them snacks. <laughs> These two girls have gone over the top today. So please help yourself to snacks. And Katie does not mind if you get up while she's talking and uh, just get something to eat. I am very ADD, and I don't don't pay attention to anything around me. Uh, but help yourself some food over there. And um, normally what we do is we have two volunteers for each Monday morning to bring snacks. Just keep it simple. And all you have to do is bring the food. We have the plates and the napkins and the cups, and we make the coffee and, and all that. So I will be sending this little sign-up sheet around. So if you wish to bring food someday, just sign on it. And I will send you an email reminder a week in advance. Um, the other thing is, is, does everybody have a pink calendar? It's the same thing. If you were, if you had a recent calendar from the Kings and Prophets, it's good. But if not, you need this one, back, just so you have one um, for the Philippians study. And then um, the other thing we ask is that you please leave your name tags on the table over there when you leave. They'll be here for you next week and the following week and so forth. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, um, K-Arthur's book, How to Study Your Bible, and it goes through the inductive process. We buy them in bulk, and we sell them to you for what we pay, and it's $8. I think the list price is 13 something I'm not sure. But anyway, if anyone wants one of those books, Carol's over there to, to collect your money. This, if you will write it down and hold on to it, it's where you can hear Katie's lectures. They're, um, I forgot what the formal word is that they, they're published, that's it. They're published there after class. And um, any of her lectures from the past are there and the lectures that we have in Philippians will be at that site. That's it. Yeah, what's really good for you is this. We have the two classes, a.m. and p.m., and I teach the same thing twice. So if you miss a morning class, you can always come to the evening. But if neither work for you, just wait for the next day or the next sometimes. But usually by the next day, we send out the chart of what I have discussed in class. You can print that out of, on your home computer and then sit down and turn on this iPod link here. And you can listen to the discussion while you follow along with the chart that I've sent out. 
out. And it really, it is helpful to understand what's being said. Sometimes it gets complicated if you're just trying to listen. But the chart being in front of you will be helpful, okay? Okay, and we have a, a new student in our class, and I'm going to let her speak for a minute. She is asking if there's anyone that lives in her area could help her with carpooling or driving. Renee, right. uh, if you want And the other is I just want to make sure everyone has a ballot so you can vote on the lesson for next year. At least you don't have one. <laughs> Do you have one, Sarah? Okay. Um, that's, that's all that I've got. That's it? We're going to pick them up when, once Katie tells you to vote. Are you Mark? Get set. Go. No. <laughs> <laughs> if she's got some things to say about now, it. No, I don't, I don't really have a whole lot of things to say about I, You know, they're obviously what they are. Luke, everybody knows the gospel of Luke, and it come, the way the curriculum is written, it's part one and part two. Um, then there's first and second Corinthians, and I put them as a set so, you know, that we, uh, well, I'd like to say that we would do 1 Corinthians and then follow it by doing 2 Corinthians to just for continuity. Um, but that's always flexible. That's the other thing about the things that we do, as you've seen. We can stop even midstream and revamp things and rework things if we need to. Um, so we, that was another choice. 2 Timothy is an obvious one. It's really another one like this. When I was trained to do uh, leadership for inductive Bible study, I was taught out of 2 Timothy because it's, again, another one that just lays structurally out very, very easily. Uh, covenant and First John. One of my favorites, one of the reasons I love it is covenant establishes your understanding of salvation. What is salvation? And why can you not lose your salvation? Is because of your understanding of covenant. Once you understand you're in a covenant, then you have that complete assurance of salvation. And then the Follow-up to it is 1 John, which I love because 1 John then gives you assurances of your salvation, the things, the evidences that you can look for in your life as you, you know, self-examine to see where you stand with God. Um, then Revelation is another one. It's always a big hit, and we haven't done, do you remember when the last time was we did that? 2007, so it's been a while, although it feels like yesterday, <laughs> but it's... I know, but it's been so seven years. Yeah, it's a two-year curriculum. And really, I don't know why Daniel didn't get put on there with it, but we really need to do Daniel and Revelation if we're going to do it because Daniel lays your foundation. So just mark a pen with the pencil in there, Daniel, with that because Daniel and Revelation would be a set. Um, but we would do those two in order, uh, and it would be a good two years right there already planned out for us if we choose to do that. And it's a hot topic, and right now with the world the way we, we're at, it is getting closer and closer. There's no doubt. All you have to do is look around at the signs of the time and, and prophetically see the things which have been fulfilled. So we are fast approaching these end times. And so for the church to be equipped to answer the questions that the people out there who don't know have 
it, it, it would be uh, beneficial. Uh, and then there's Romans parts 1, 2, 3, and 4, also a very long study. It was put on the list by special request of a particular student. And uh, if you're interested, this is another great study. It's doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. And it's a long study as well, though. But you have to be, uh, again, kind of like the kings and prophets, you got to be ready for you know, some serious study time. So just keep that in mind. Romans is an excellent study, though. I learned so much when I taught that the last time. So, and the... Okay, what we're doing is because of... Um, well, literally, our class was dropping like like flies <laughs> through the kings and prophets. People were just fainting away. I'm so sad to say that, but they, I don't. I understand. It was a t it was a challenging study, and so we initially had it planned for the next well, at least year probably or so, because it's a it's a ten part series, and we only did three. Uh, I know we got through three before you all fainted. <laughs> but far be it from me to not follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Truly, I believe God's Spirit works through His church, through His individual believers. And God will place on your heart where you feel we need to go and what you think that you, you are hungry for. And I, I really trust that from God. And so I'm trusting each one of you to not just look at this and go, oh, that looks fun. That would be how I would do it because I'm a spontaneous girl. I leap before I think sometimes. But I would ask that you spend just a moment really reflecting in your heart what do you feel that you really need right now and what do you see the body of Christ around you needs right now that, to equip it and to strengthen it, right? So consider those things as you consider what these uh studies are about and make your vote based on that. I want a leading of the Holy Spirit here, okay, so that we have established this. So what we're going to do is, is choose a couple of them. We're, you're going to vote for two, and some, some of them are sets, okay, and depending on... Now, right, and now we got um, Revelation also as Daniel and Revelation. So w once you make your choices, just circle them and put one or two. Is that what you had said? Uh, and then we'll try to plan out a schedule for the next year or two based on what we look at here. Okay. But it, it will follow the end of Philippians. Yes, abso absolutely. We're going to finish Philippians, yes. <laughs> right, because we're going to, when we finish this, we finish it just before the Thanksgiving break. And as you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's are crazy. So we, uh, we have gotten into the habit in recent years of just taking up that block of time off because c people are traveling and they're singing in the choir and they've got family and all that. So we're just not uh, having class during those months. So we'll come back in January to begin whatever you vote on. Okay. Yay. Exciting. Okay. You, you may have a moment of silence to meditate on this, and then I would like for you to vote on this, okay? Let's do that right now.
Okay, please, please vote. Make a vote if you would at this time. Just circle it and then Lois will come around. Circle them and mark them one and two, okay? It's, a, it's actually an, uh, a big decision to be leading a group where we're going next, you know, in our study of God's word. But it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm excited for whatever you've voted for. I love them all. <laughs> Every one of them is my favorite. <laughs> yeah. How many lessons? Oh, about a year and a half. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because it's all the minor prophets that are going to be plugged in. We're about halfway through 2 Kings. We're like at chapter 16, I think we were, where we dropped off in Kings. And um, obviously that's only going to be, you know, from the middle of 2 Kings to the end cannot be more than probably one more session. So then following that has, is it going to be two? Did you look ahead, Susan? Oh, good, good for you. Okay, so two sessions. And then, and then you start plugging in, you know, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Amos, all those. Okay, so now let's do this. Let's, while they're collecting up those ballots, let's go through and do a very quick introduction of, of who we are and where we're coming from, just so everybody gets to know. We have some new faces, and it's really, it's really fun. So we'll start with the, uh, the easiest one. I know her. <laughs> Okay, you can sit down now. Thanks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no, no. <laughs> um, I, I went to seminary and was formally trained, but actually this class informed me for there. They don't teach you how to do inductive study. So you have to show up already knowing how. I was so glad I knew how to do precepts because I didn't fall behind. Like, the rest of the students were freaking out, and I, I knew what to do. Um, and my teacher said my charts were insane, and I need to, like, chill. So <laughs> this is very good training. I highly encourage it. Thank you, sis. And she's the mother of my beautiful grandchildren. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm Jennifer Gerber. I'm new. I've never done a Bible study like this before, but Marie's talk, uh, is a dear friend of mine and has talked a lot about um, her journey with us. So. Good job, Marie. Yay. <laughs> so I find myself um, in a time period where I have a little bit um, more time and energy, and I thought, you know, this was a great place to put it down. Awesome. We are very happy to have you. Thank you. All right. Do you live out near Marie? Too? Yes. Oh, yes. I have two um, daughters, ninth and seventh grade, um, in their regions. Wonderful. Awesome. Oh. Super, super happy to have you. And my dear, sweet friend, Marie. Yes. My name is Marie Artaza, and um, I started studying with Katie back in 2001, and I did a bunch with you. And you I did. And actually, that was doing Covenant and First John was when I realized that I was saved because I didn't know that before. I just kept praying every day, like, I hope I'm going to go to heaven. Um, <laughs> and I did Revelations with you and Hebrews and First Peter. I can't remember all the other ones, English names. And then I took a break because my three children kept me very busy. And so just like my friend Jennifer here, I find like I have a little bit more time in my day 
to focus on Bible study, and I'm just super excited about being back here again. I am so happy for you. I hope you're, I hope you're hooked forever. We are happy to have you. And I will never forget one day, we would walk around Vintage Place neighborhood, and you had said, precepts is just the best. I'm so sorry that you're starting with precepts because you're starting with this, and you're going to go out and you're going to go do other studies. And they're just not as good. And so, of course, I had to go and experience it for myself. Uh-huh. And I'm like, she's right. That can't still like, just 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 just anything you want to say. We're just introducing briefly. Okay, I started precept with Revelation. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so she started with Revelation. There you go. Uh-huh. And I'm glad Rafa came because I was getting really upset with them. I would just yell at the Bible. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> but what's really amazing, Margaret, is that you knew why that what the, was said was wrong. When we first entered into that book, often we would read things and we'd, and we would just kind of repast it like it was okay. But then all of a sudden, as we started to dig out what they were, how they were supposed to be living, what the, the uh, kings were supposed to be doing, and then comparing that with the law that was given to them and compare with what was going on in their lives, all of a sudden we went, what? You can't do that. You can't marry that woman. You can't do that. Yeah. That's so fun. I know the babies. Yeah, it's true. Oh, Brenda. She just, yeah. All right. So thank you, Margaret. (laughs) Brenda. Uh, My name is Brenda Lucky. Um, I've been doing precepts for a long time. I don't remember when I started it, but I'm a precept addict. I just, I love it. Uh, It has made what I thought was two separate Bibles into one beautiful story that God is weaving. Uh, I've been married to my husband Raymond for 49 years. I'm retired. I was in health care. Um, and I have four gorgeous grandchildren. Mm. Yes, she and I have competition I going on. I know. So, I know. That was fun. Awesome. No, I love presents. It's a wonderful, wonderful study. Thank you, Brenda. Okay, now. An- Wow, that's been a while ago. Yeah, a while ago. So, 16 or so 17 years. When I saw that it was joy. It's my favorite book in the Bible, So, and I need some joy. And so with all the health struggles that I'm going through, so I thought it was perfect. Uh, and it's not doing Joe that the, <laughs> the other group is doing. So oh, that's... I can, Becky and I were, uh, Becky Grangard last week came to visit me, and we were joking. I could write Job's book, you know, another That's Job right, book, so. yeah. All right. Well, this is going to be a very insightful study for you then. I'm really very happy for you to be here. Thank you for coming. I'm Susan Dyer, and I'm another fixture around here. Yes, you are. We won't let her leave. I have four kids, three handsome grandsons. Yes. That's right. <laughs> there you go. 
If you, just in case you want to know, covenant or Jesus? That's right. <laughs> never, there you go. And never violate known doctrine. That's exactly right. Good, good advice, Susan. Love it. And you all know Miss Lois. Would you like to tell us a little? Oh. oh, no. <laughs> I couldn't continue on because of my commitment then to BSF, but I never forgot about precepts. And when I arrived here and I found out that we had precepts, then it was time to make the get jump. Oh, good. Again, and she's been our blessing ever since, keeping us organized. And uh, for counting grandkids, I have 12. Oh. If we're counting, yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Some are here, some are not. Some are married, some are at Regent. So we've got a big space spread of what we want in the grandchildren, and they're a blessing to have. We've got some good marriages in this room, man. We've got to start praising our guys. You guys are doing a good job. That's all I got to say. Ah, ha, ha. Wonderful kids, yeah. And I started Yes, that was unbelievable. Not at the beginning of Revelation, part three of Revelation. So that'll... I don't know why you didn't run. <laughs> I mean, that, to me, that would be an overwhelming thing to start at the tail end of a, such a difficult subject matter. And it's complicated. And then not knowing inductive processes either. So you're learning both at the same time. Huge. That you're, you're good. And so far, so good. So far, so good. <laughs> She's still here. Yay. Okay, Linda. I'm like, listen up, Prof. I uh, started precepts with Ephesians. Wow. And uh, uh, there's a song that says, it's a, a repentance song, and part of it is, I regret the, the hours, the things I did last Lord God, hours that I did. And I kind of feel that way about Yeah, and, uh, it does. What do you think it is about it? Is it is it the time that we spend? Is it the the slowing down? Is it I agree. That's a not that any of us are really bad. No, no. Yeah. I agree. I think, I think that probably is one of the factors. So much of other Bible studies, and, it, and it's the way I grew up too, but you, you know, we had a Sunday school curriculum that was written by the Southern Baptist Convention, and you just followed along and you read the paragraphs, and they gave you all the history. They just 
spoon-fed everything to you, but you had to believe that they knew that they had done their work. And so this is a personal, intimate way of drawing those facts out for yourself. And um, yeah, so it just slow, slows you down. Awesome. Anything else, my dear? No? Okay, thank you, Linda. Yes? Yeah, so don't cross her. <laughs> and do your homework. She has a ruler and stands at the back door when you come through. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh, exciting. Very nice. Oh, that's nice. Good. All right. Blessings. That's fantastic. Carrie. I'm Carrie Brightwell, and um, I began studying Bible on my own after a little bit of time of uh, rebellion <laughs> when I was in my early 20s. You were never rebellious. I cannot believe that, Carrie. I decided to throw God away and all that, but he wouldn't let me go. So I was studying Bible on my own um, from when I was in my 20s. And then when my children uh, started school, I started going through uh, Bible study with Ellen Black. That's what I intend to be doing. Wow, a repeat for you then. You're just coming full circle. So I've been doing, you know, the uh, various Bible studies, but using the method and yeah. stuff on my own, wherever I come and everything, and I'm getting um, So you're an old hand. That's I've why done, she's... Yeah, I've done quite a few of the yeah. ones. And just before I moved here to Texas, which was two years ago, we had just finished Revelation. Yeah, oh, good. <laughs> so, so she won't be voting for Revelation. She just did it. <laughs> Thank you, Carrie. Juanita. I'm Juanita Jackson, and God put Carrie in my life uh, two years ago, and I had never heard of Precept. Uh, I tried, that's a good word, I think, to do Kings. Uh, it was completely Hard. overwhelming. It was. No, it was overwhelming for, obviously, and a lot of people. Well, Juanita, you're going to love this. You're going to love this slow down book that we're into now because it's going to be much simpler and um, it's great for beginning those fundamental skills. So you. Nice. Notice how we only talk about children and grandchildren. The kids are kind of secondary. We love them, but you know. Their, their primary fun, f f function is to provide grandchildren <laughs> that we can dawdle all over. Wonderful. Wow. Good for you. Okay, Patty. I'm Patty Koopman, and I started 2001. 
been a long time. Wow. Right. Yeah. Once you wow, 15 years. Precepts, yeah. You just know that you can't go back to other classes. Well, I'm really glad. You guys are really giving a lot of praise for our precepts. This is wonderful. I'm so happy. Uh-huh. That was really good. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. I'm so happy that you're happy. Yeah, I'm glad you're still here. <laughs> and I'm still here. It's right. But I still don't have any grandchildren. <laughs> you will. Soon. I will. I'm sure. All right. Michelle. I'm Michelle Pearson. Um, I usually attend the evening class. And my story is similar to Lois. Uh, I was in BSF for many years and um, had a break. And um, I attend um, a church on the east side, Greater Mount Zion, but I've been associated with the women's ministry here. So I was doing some of the Beth Moores and, and other classes that they did in the evening. And then someone in that class told me about precepts. Wonderful. And I started, I think, with Ezra. At, at yes, that's right. It was. That was still when we were meeting in my house. That's right. For that evening class. That's good. Yay, 27 years. Nice. I'm retired. You're never retired. You know that. <laughs> you know. Okay, Yoshiko. Did I say your name correctly, even? I always wonder if I get it correct. No, no accidents with God. <laughs> And then she said, this is the place Jesus, uh, and it's, uh, uh, how do you call it? Uh, Jesus, not when him, uh, Jesus met Ezekiel and uh, Moses and uh, mm -hmm. that place. And I said, what she's talking about? I haven't had any idea, but things he kind of drove me into that mm -hmm. thing she's explaining. And then she says it's going to be everyday thing. So I said, oh, very interesting. So I start you know, watching it. And she, every time she studies uh, each lesson, the different places where the Jesus was there, they explain exactly what it was. And then she said, well, this is the way to study, mark all the things. I don't have a Bible. So what I did was uh, just uh, copy all the Bible verses on the TV. And then when she says, circle, I circle it. And then, um, wow. I said, well, then I start seeing something. And so I just kept watching, watching, watching. And then we moved to the beginning area. <coughs> And I met Lois, and I said, you know, I'm studying with uh, precepts with, uh, with uh, on TV. <laughs> on TV. <laughs> she said, join us, join us. I can fix that. We can make it personal. <laughs> I, was, I, I just cannot go out and do things like this. So I said, oh, not, not this year. And I said, why don't you next week? So about three years. It took three years for me to say, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, start with com uh, covenant and then relation and 
when the revelation came, I, I was completely lost. And I have a lot of problem with answering questions. And um, sometimes I had to redo everything because I, oh my God, I answered wrong. And one day I was talking to Margaret and she said, yeah, I, I redo some of the questions because I, you know, misunderstood. And I made, you made me very feel comfortable, you know, okay. Aww. So, um, and then my, my husband, uh, Heinz, he always kept me, you don't have to do, do everything. You just understand one thing, that's the best, you know. And then I focus on that. And uh, slowly, gradually, Aww. God gave me, you know, how to do it. Mm -hmm. And finally, I understand how to do it. Of course, you have a still struggle, but um, really, the God brought me to Kay Alpha to Lois and this class. It's wonderful. <laughs> you know, it, it was really the God leading me to this class. Mm -hmm. and yeah. I really enjoying so much. Sometimes I frustrated, but I said, no, no, no. Like I said, enjoy it. Mm -hmm. One of the things I'm picking up on here that I do think is really important to bring out, and that is learning inductive Bible study is a process, and it does take time. It is not a class that you start, and in two weeks or three weeks, you've got it figured out. Um, my testimony is it took me 11 years, and not, that's not because it's that hard. It's just I'm that slow. And unfortunately, in the years that I was studying, I did not have teachers who were teaching me what I was doing. I teach you what you are doing as well as the curriculum. So we're going to cover the curriculum material that you're looking at, but we are also going to instruct as to why did you do what you just did so that you're connecting the inductive process to the benefit of what you're gleaning through scripture and whatever the subject matter is. Every book is slightly different, so it requires you do more than one book because there are different kind of literary styles, and you have to experience the different literary styles in order to experience all of the inductive Bible study processes. There's different kinds of tools in your toolbox, and you don't use all the tools for every book because it, it's regimented for you according to your literary style that you're working in. So. That sounds like what happened with Yoshiko it was a slow, although she started even with just TV, that's persistent. I would commend you for that. I think that just shows a real hunger for wanting to know God. Uh, that's probably a higher degree of self-discipline required to do that than to just show up and let someone help you through like we do here. But I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Thank you, Yoshiko. Heinz, good job for encouraging her. Yes. Ah, that's awesome. Ah. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. You're, you're so kind. <laughs> <laughs> because you have a teacher's gift, and you want to use it. I know that. Obviously. <laughs> I hate kids, but I'm teaching them anyway. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Yes. I'm wonderful. 
Well, I know where your heart is, and, but I'm so thankful that you're faithful to your wife and that you're really faithful to us here as well, though. And thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. Our old friend Craig is back. Yay! Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> That's so. When you go see them, you got beach too. <laughs> oh, nice. Anyway, I had my first formal training in Bible study had been um, CBS, and after a while, I realized that it, it just had a weakness. You know, it, it was good study, but it had a weakness, and and so um, back in 2006, I think it was. Um, there was a training session in New Braunfels mm -hmm. with um, precepts, so I decided to sign up and take that. It was like a three-day or four-day course on uh, life of Joseph, and I really liked that. And so finally, I just decided I want to get into you know the precepts classes. Except the only classes that were around were all women's. I know. And so Craig was one of our first forgers of the male. So for all you guys, Carson Woodall and I are the ones that broke into, uh, in 2008, broke yes, into the, the women's class on, on uh, precepts. That's right. Except that we did have in the evening class men coming for quite a few years, even before that. My, did that I did, but in the in the the one that met here in the daytime, we hadn't had any men come join. But you know, to be perfectly fair about this, as everyone knows, life is a journey, and and understandings are a journey. And our church really didn't even allow that situation before a few years ago. So. It's really a new phenomenon, even at our church, that they let women teach men. Even though it's a spiritual gift, not an authority. I have no authority over any of these men. I only am a teacher. <laughs> I, do say, I do say, though, that I'm glad that um, we you know, have the opportunity because studying through the precepts method is, is by far the and, and the iron sharpening ironing, isn't that an amazing thing, Craig? I mean, there's, there's something about being in the dynamics of all of you. You cannot ask a stupid question. You cannot repeat a question often enough or, or, or say, can you explain that a little bit better? I don't quite understand what they're saying. Because the more we discuss it, the more verbalization there is of it, the more you bring out nuances to that point that all of a sudden for one of you, it goes ding, 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 right? For someone else, they may have already got it and they're good and they're, they're ready to just move on. But what we want to do is edify the whole body that's here. And this is a big group for an inductive Bible study group this large, which is quite unusual in my experience. I mean, most inductive studies are quite small. Um, so if you have a smaller group, you can be more intimate and draw more things out. But when it's a bigger group, it's pretty easy for you to become very quiet and sit in the back and not say anything. And I pray that you won't do that. Ask your questions if you have them and um, really uh, allow the iron to sharpen the iron in this classroom. That's so important to me. And I am energized as a teacher when I get that kind of engagement going on. It helps me and my mind. Actually, because I'm, I have this inability in my brain to totally focus all the time, 
the more stuff that's coming at me, the better I function. <laughs> so move around the room and talk all you want. No, I'm just kidding. But it is helpful to me if you bring in subjects because it helps everyone to answer questions that maybe they won't even ask or maybe they hadn't even thought of. But once you bring it up, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I needed to know that. So that's awesome. Thank you, Craig. Appreciate you being here. Yes. Yes. And oh my gosh. Revelation also. Um, but it was the first chapter of Revelation, which was amazing how relevant it was to current times. I yeah. can't believe that. And God really used it, precepts to really draw me back to himself. I feel like I, I was a Christian, but I wasn't. I feel like he just really used it to draw me back. So I've been sold on it ever since. Yeah. Yeah. So I, Are you teaching precept classes? I Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll just work on that. <laughs> okay. Susan. Oh, wow. That's right. So was Bruce teaching or Marty? Uh, yeah, yeah, so Mar the, the, they split. So okay. 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 Yeah, got it. Wonderful. Thank you, Susan. Okay, Bob. Uh, my name's Bob Sharp. Uh, I'm married. Uh, we have six children and two son-in-laws, two daughter-in-laws, and nine grandchildren. Uh, nice. I, uh, We're going to just whip you right into shape, Bob. Don't you worry. <laughs> Hang around with us a while. <laughs> this is going to be fabulous for your, your prison ministry, Bob. Really. Yes, perfect. Application could not be better. I think it's kind of interesting that the prison ministry guy starts with the subject matter of prison ministry. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> I love that. It was planned by God, a divine appointment, and it's a sign. I just want you to know this. <laughs> God is going to magnify things for you in such a way. It's going to be an amazing journey. I can't wait to hear from you in about six, six months or so to hear what God is doing. It's going to be so cool. I'm excited for you. Okay. Yes. And there's a familiar face, too. Well, I'm Russell Lydate, and I know several people here. I'm uh, retired from school counseling. I was a middle school counselor for 20 years, so those of you with middle school kids, it's going to get worse before it's getting better. <laughs> Oh, exhorting, you guys. Wait a second. Hey, just being honest. <laughs> but anyway, no, I, I retired in 2008. 
2012, actually from the school right down the street here, uh, and enjoyed it, loved doing that, loved working with kids and families, and uh, now I work with kids, taking them on uh, international trips. Oh, that's cool. Is that what it does? Right, because of, sure, sure. We're all trying to get to the same place. Absolutely, absolutely. I love the, the balance, though, that, but see, because I started out in a, in a discipleship program, um, Navigators, which was purely that, and then I did a design for discipleship program, too, for several years, so I did a lot of discipling, discipling, before I came into the precept, but what I, what I love about the variety of them is, yes, they're all good, and they all have their, their design purpose. So that's important to know. And you're right, it's not competition. It's about, however, growing in a balanced way. As you, as you grow and mature in your faith, you also need to grow in, and mature in your disciplines of study. And I just think that the more, the more you learn about these technical things, especially things like the doctrines, which are the foundation, this is what's really going to draw out deep truths. And you're going to be empowered in your ministries, whatever they are, in a way that is it's going to be like dynamite added into your, your mix. It's going to be very exciting. So I'm happy to have you. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, right. And so uh, that's what I like to understand is the big picture, and I think this is going to be great personal growth. Stuff. Yes, absolutely. I would like to see BSF come into the 20th century and allow classes. My wife and I would love to do some of that. Yeah, yeah. One day. We're slowly, but it's, it's a, I'll tell you what, inductive, inductive Bible study offers a, a course on spiritual gifting, and if you understand what a spiritual gift is and its function and design purpose and the fact that teacher is just one of the gifts, then you would understand that that's not a position of authority, it's not a... It's not an office that you've been hired into, like a pastor who's hired in. But there's also, a, this is another thing I found interesting. There's a difference between the office of pastor and the spiritual gifting of pastor. Okay? You have a pastor who's hired for your church, but then there are also pastors who are gifted in our midst. And so when you learn your spiritual gifts, then you quit having these problems that we have, like, can women teach men? Yes, of course they can. Yes, yes it is. It's knowledge, based on knowledge. That's why you're going to love inductive study. Okay. I'm down with Dip. Uh, been married for 51 years. I'm headed to Carol. Just a little. Yes, thank you. And Don, you're such a great helper to you. Come and serve us in ways that we can't even thank you for. It's just lovely. Lisa.
How fun. That sounds familiar. Nice. She's going to pass you up. <laughs> oh, yeah, the greats. Then you gotta, you're got in competition all over again. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Awesome. We are happy to have you. Very nice. All right. Hi, I'm Martha Gordon. I, for the last 42 years, I've been a wife of one, a mother of five, grandmother of four, and mother-in-law of three. Yeah, wow. There you go. So you're everybody something. We just relocated from North Carolina to Texas. We retired in Maryland, moved to North Carolina, and then we ended up here because both two of our sons moved here. Nice. Oh, wonderful. Awesome. I've done the precepts. I've done the Beth Morris, the Lisa Turkers, the amazing collection. But I'm a firm believer in there's nothing like uh, studying the Bible for yourself. Yes. Yes. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Well, we've got us another expert in the room, so we'll know who to say, defer to when we have troubles. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I do write a blog called The Beautiful Solomon's Porch. Oh, nice. I think I've seen that. Say the name of that, your blog again, The View from Solomon's Porch. I think I've seen that. Very interesting. Okay. All right. Now, please. <laughs> oh, lovely. Who was your teacher for that? It wasn't me. Oh, okay, okay. Because I've, I've, yeah. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. Awesome. one of the no homework 
pre-study yeah. studies. Mm -hmm. so, anyway, like the 45-minute studies. 45 minute, 45 yeah. 45-minute in 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 is probably what you need. Minute, yeah. Survey courses are pretty good, too, but... Good. That's right, and I, I tell you, if you have anybody in your world that's suffering with dementia and you need a support group, see Lisa about that because, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, we're excited for you. That is good news. Good, fun, good report. Uh, Sarah. Uh huh. Boy, does it. I mean, half of it's quotes from the Old Testament, right? Hebrews, half of it is Old Testament, so yeah. So you've got a nice blend of the two. And what's awesome about that is you see how, I think someone else said about that, how the two, the Old and the New Testament, used to be in their thinking two different books pretty much, but really they are one. It's just an old covenant and entering into a new, and but one fulfills the other. So, yeah. Yes, you see this one book now. That's wonderful. One one message and one one God. It's the same God in the old as in the new. Exactly. Very good. Nice. Anything else? That's it. I know she she wants you to know that she wished we had continued with Kings and Prophets. I know everybody else going boo. Shh, out out. <laughs> oh, all right, now let's see. Um, let's go all the way to the back. Yeah, we'll start with Janice. I'm Janice Hamilton. Forever. I know, for a long time. Oh, there you go. Now we talk about our doggy babies. <laughs> doggies and kitties. <laughs> How many have doggies and kitties? <laughs> yes. Awesome. Oh, that's wonderful, Janice. Thank you. Good, good news. And another new face. Wow. Oh, no. Okay, so we all need to move to her table and <laughs> give her some hugs. <laughs> Tell me your name again. 
Heather. Okay, very nice. Um, and this is like my, this is my fifth year doing Teen Chef. Um, wow, good. Because uh, in Minnesota, we had a lady who won the title. So Excellent. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that was that would be also a challenging one, I think. It Although it's good, but yeah. Yeah, they're all good, but some of them are more challenging to start with. Yeah. Very good. Nice. But we have four kids, but two of them are still in Minnesota and two came along. So are you settling in and do you need anything? Do you need help with anything? Wow. Damage and some window damage from the wind from where we Okay. So, but no, we're, we're pretty good. The thing I, I'm not used to is travel time. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah. Austin. We only live seven minutes, but it takes 27. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, we moved to Kyle. And it took like 40 some minutes to come in. Yes, it does. Because it's a work day. You yes. may, yeah. 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 No, yeah. Are there any precept classes in Kyle? She's in Kyle. Oh, yeah, that would probably be helpful if there are any. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our new Wonderful. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Our brand new pastor that's coming is moving here from Minnesota. He'll be here in a few weeks. So you are not alone. I was born in Minnesota, if that counts for anything. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> okay. One last one. Okay. We have one last one. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody had to. The bet. We saved the best for last. That's right. Uh, my name is Margaret Mansour, and I've known Katie for a long time. I think we met over the Marzon table. And I was in Bible study ever since I was 20. So that's about 40 years I've been in Bible study. And they just kind of got boring, you know, BSF over and over again. So I needed something challenging, and I met her, and she said, come to mine. Okay. Yay! Yeah. And we're happy you are. Yeah. Talented woman. All right. Thank you, you guys. That was a good introduction. It took a little bit longer than I thought it would, but I think we're still good to go. I'm going to cover the next few things pretty quickly for you so that we can you know, move along here with things. One of the things, though, that I want to do to kind of start you off, get your feet um, kind of established and to excite you. I want to get you really excited about what you're getting ready to dive into here. So what I have picked is I've picked three little excerpts from the, uh, the scriptures of Philippians, and I pulled out a translation uh, Bible called The Message. Now, The Message is a transliteration. It's basically commentary. It is not as, and the reason I'm introducing it also is as an instructive thing. What I want you to understand is when we do inductive Bible study, we try to use translations, or I don't say we try to, we do use translation, which is as close to the original language as possible because the better uh, accurate interpretation uh, 
translation, the better you're going to come to good sound interpretation. So you don't want to use uh, translations that have too much um, paraphrasing. paraphrasing. I, that's a good way to put it, Craig. Like the NIV, which I love the NIV, and I grew up on the NIV. Not a good study Bible, however. So in precept, we use the new, new American Standard Bible or the new English translation is the other one that they've just come out with. So you can get your, your, your work in either one of those. Primarily, we order the uh, NASB. But I want to read to you out of the message because, for, for one thing, it's not going to spoil you uh, in when you go into your homework this week because it's not going to sound anything like what this sounds like. However, this kind of conveys the message of the heart of where we're heading in the things that we're going to be looking at. And so I was excited when I decided to pull it up. I first pulled out the, my translations on my computer and just started reading a variety of them. And um, they, were, they all actually were so similar in the way that they went. And I thought, I don't really want to preempt your work. But when I hit this one, I thought the other one was, um, what's the other? The Living Bible was another one I was going to go to. But when I read this one, it was so good. I just want to give you a little taste of what we're heading to, okay? Listen to what, what Paul prays for them in Philippians chapter 1. He says, this is my prayer, that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Now, you don't hear that very often in our world today. Everything's about sentimental gush, not about intelligence and not about sincerity, right? Live a, a lover's life circumvent and exemplary, a life Jesus will be proud of, bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive to all, everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. That's what he wants you to come to, to a place that your life is lived so well that you glorify God and that you draw people into the, uh, a life that will also give God glory and praise. So you want, so again, it's like discipleship, right? It's you, you learn it for yourself first, and then you teach others and bring them along with you. So this is exactly what Paul is saying in the book of Philippians to these believers. Then in chapter 2, he says this about them, about their salvation. Be energetic in your life of salvation reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy. It's an energy deep within you. God himself willingly and working at what will give him the most pleasure. Do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering. Oh boy. Does that sound like a parent? No bickering, right? Stop that. Knock it off. Do I have to come up there, right? He's saying no bickering. No second guessing allowed. Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Is that not applicable to where we are today? Do we not have a society that feels like squalor and, and that's totally polluted? Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night so that all... Uh, so so I'll have good cause to be proud of you in the day that Christ returns. You'll be living proof that I did not go to all this work for nothing. 
I love that. This is about their salvation. He's saying basically mature it, bring it to this place so that so that people will really see the living God and that they'll have a hunger for the living God, that they'll be drawn to the living God. You need to be sensitive and reverent before God. Then the last one was this. I love this one too because this is going to be something I, that for me as a, as a teacher, I want you all to attain to it, and that is a, a, a fortitude, a persevering, a pressing on kind of attitude. And he says, he says it this way in this translation. Stick with me, friends. <laughs> Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running the same course, headed for this same goal. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, and trying to get uh, get you to go along with them. I've warned you of them many times. Sadly, I'm having to do it again. All they want is easy street. They hate Christ crossed, but easy street is a dead-end street. Those who live there make their bellies their gods. Their, their belches are their praise. All they think of is their appetites. Whoa, is that not us? Is that not really the world that we see? But, but the fact is he's just saying, look, stick with me. What God has for you and I in our faith walk is glorious, and he wants you to be a part of bringing him glory. This is, this is the goal. This is the, the, high, the high calling in Christ Jesus. Then he concludes it this way. But there's a far, there is far more to life for us. We're citizens of high heaven. We're awaiting the arrival of the Savior, the Master, Jesus Christ. Are you excited just a little bit now? I just, when I read this in the, in the message, I just thought, wow, does that ever bring it to life? Now, please do not study inductively in the, with this translation, but this is a really nice uh, opportunity to read. But it brings up a point that I just want to also bring to, to your attention as far as inductive Bible study tools. There are a variety of tools that we're going to be talking about little by little, and I'll try to bring them up each, each time we meet in class. But not all the tools are used every week, and, ex and you don't exhaust all of them at every sitting. Sometimes you just do one or two. Sometimes you do three or four. But, but it's, and some of them, because we're in the kind of literary style we're in, we may never use. For instance, we, um, there's a possibility that you could do a little bit of timelining. You might do some map work, but it would probably be minimal. But how much timelining and map work did we do when we did Kings and Prophets? That's almost exclusively what we did. Why? What is the difference between those two literary styles, right? And so you have to consider that. And that is one of the things this week in setting context for this book that you are going to have to look at so that you determine what is the literary work that we are actually using? What is this that we're looking at? What is Philippians' um, uh, purpose and method in, in the way that he wrote this book? So that therefore, once you know what your literary style is, then you will know how to interpret. Because uh, literary styles, whether you're in the secular world or whether you're in the Christian world, are the same, basically. And the intent of them is the same. So you handle them according to the intention of the book. Does that make sense? So it's important, then, that you determine what your literary style is. Now, um, what we want to do is talk just through some of these steps that we are going to um, oh, is this our decision here? We have to do this tonight. 
Oh, okay. Okay, got it. I'll put that in here. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted. A note appeared on my desk. Okay. Um, all right. So, literary styles are important. Translations are important. Those are just two points. They are not necessarily going to come up this week in your homework, but I do think they are important to just kind of pay, pay attention to right away. Okay. Now, what we are going to do this week is do an overview. The purpose of an overview is to set context. Does somebody in here want to brave and give us a definition for what context is? Come on, y'all. What? Oh, Marie. Oh, good girl. I remember from a long time ago you always saying that context is king. Yes. Right. So, therefore, context is the environment in which something is is sitting, or in this case, it's the environment in which your text is written, right? It's that which surrounds your text, which gives it defined meaning. So, if you want to understand what that word means, you have to understand what's going on around it to define it for you more clearly, correct? All right. Yes. That's exactly right. It's, it's an aerial view of, of the book on the whole. So in this case, what we're doing is we're looking at a piece of literary writing. We, um, we are rising way up high, and what we want to do is want to get the lay of the land. We want to see what's out there, what's around us, what's, what, and, and, and in what, is, what are the parts or the pieces to it, correct? So now, if you're talking about literary works, how is it that you go about distinguishing what's going on in a book? What might be some things that you would think of offhand that you would look at to determine what's going on in a book? Okay, who's who it is. Okay, who and where? Okay. Maybe some dates. You guys have got this down good, wise. Okay, so for instance, then the first thing you would want to do is you want to look at the most obvious people. The most obvious, of course, would be your author and your recipient, correct? So this week, one of the first two things you're going to do in your homework is you're going to be asked to look through the text and using what we call observation worksheets, which basically is nothing more than the text of the Word of God typed out double spaced with nice wide margins. You will find your observation worksheets in the back of your, your uh, book that you've purchased in the appendix section. My tip to you is make a photocopy of that and keep a, the clean set in your book. That's, everybody's shaking their head yes. Because if you, if you do like I do and really make a mess of things, you might need to start it again and, and fix it. Because like you're like, oh, I got that really wrong. I need to fix that. So you could make an extra. But that's if you, if you just feel that way. <laughs> if you don't care, don't worry about it. Just start in working on it. Brenda's going, no, not me. I just go for it. I go right 
Oh, <laughs> so you use pencil. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So you're going to use your observation worksheets that are in the back of your book. You're going to begin your homework. The, one of the first things she's going to ask you to do is to, to identify who the author is and mark him in a distinctive way. I think she tells you to certain color and asks you to mark him in that way. Um, what I like to do with author and recipient, because once we're done with overview, those two things kind of fade to the background and they don't become quite as significant. So what I like to do is mark one with a, using a pencil with a box around them and the other just with a little circle around them. That way, like Brenda says, later I can go back and just erase them. And then I have all that marking on my page that's confusing to me. It'll become, it can just melt away into the background in time. So they say mark it in a color, but then it's there forever. But if you mark it with a pencil lightly, you can just erase it later. The purpose for marking them initially is so that you pay attention to them. Once they're marked, and it seems tedious, but do exactly what they say, and you'll begin to understand the, the, the method and the madness here as time goes by. But once you've marked it with a box, all your authors, then the next thing they're going to ask you to do is go and make a list on your author. What do you learn about your author? So everywhere you've marked his name, including pronouns of him, you're going to go then and begin a simple list. Now, a list is made um, directly from the text. You do not change the wording of the text. This is really an important part of this. And um, because you do not want to interpret yet. So if you use wording directly from the text to your sheet, and then at the end of it, give your street address. Was it in verse 1? Was it in verse 5? Was it in verse 7 that you found it? Um, you're going to make a list on everything you learn about who your author is. You're going to give a, a reference to him. And when you're done, you're going to have a nice, concise uh, list of who your author is and what you have learned about him from the book on the whole. And you've weeded out all the rest of the information, all the other details that are going on in this uh, narrative or in this this. Um, instructional book, right? So everything else is gone. You've got a nice clean list and it tells you you're going to start to look at it and interrogate the scripture. Who is he? Where is he? Why is he there? What is he doing? To whom is he doing these things or with or for, right? Um, what later in week two you're going to come to see they're even going to focus you more clearly and they're going to start asking you to analyze his attitude and sometimes the attitudes are clearly stated but sometimes you have to draw them out so it's more of an analytical kind of list you're going to do that later week one you want pure textual information not what do you think and do not draw in interpretations what does it say so write down exactly what it tells you about this. So you're going to do that on your author. Then you're going to follow it with doing it on your recipient. And as you move along and doing this, this um, information about your, your author and recipient, which, what's going to begin to do surface to the uh, top for you is you're going to start seeing repeated subjects, either through the author or the recipient or both. And they probably will overlap. And as you do that, if you see that there is subjects that seem to keep going on through the whole book, not just in one chapter, but consistently through the whole book, you're going to find that word and you're going to mark it also. Now, here's, here's the interesting d distinction. Um, well, no, let me just give you an example. Okay, tell me what you think might be a major book keyword in this particular 
writing? Joy. Joy. Very good. That was brilliant. Okay, so <laughs> brilliant. Joy. The word joy or rejoice or anything that is a synonym to that, you're going to mark in a distinctive way. And once you've marked it, what you're probably going to be able to do then when you sit back, because you've marked, say, say you've marked rejoice with a, a bright yellow circle or something on it, and you've colored it in. And uh, when you start flipping your pages from chapter one to chapter two to chapter three to chapter four, you're going to see these yellow circles all the way through. That is your clue that you found a book keyword. Now, if you picked another word, maybe, maybe you picked another word, um, um, I don't know, the gospel or something like, I'm just picking a word, okay, I'm not telling you that's in there, but if you picked the word gospel, and you marked it, and you got through chapter one, and there's quite a few of them in there, you get to chapter two, there's a couple, but then all of a sudden, chapter three, there's none, chapter four, there's none, right? Then what does that tell you? It's not a key word for the book, because it's not consistently through the whole book. This week, when you're doing overview, you're looking for book keywords, not chapter keywords. That was probably one of the more difficult things to me when I was first learning, was distinguishing between doing chapter observation and doing an overview when it came to marking and finding keywords. You are looking for words that show through the whole book, and they show a link of a subject matter. And what it is, is it's going to show you who is most important or what is most important on the mind of the author who is writing. You're going to notice that by having made a list on the author and having made a list on the recipient, and those words start popping up to you. Sometimes you will you will guess wrong. You will start marking a, a keyword, and then you'll find out after you start marking it. It's only really in chapter one, and you'll go, oops. It's okay, it's not a mistake, just leave it. But what you know now is it's not a book keyword, it's a chapter keyword. It'll come up when you do your chapter observations later, in, in later work. This week is overview. You want to get the big picture. So you're looking in your goal, your goal is to say, what is the author's purpose for writing? Because if you know why he wrote and who he wrote to, then you're going to understand better what he's saying to them or why he has said what he has said to them. Some of the things that we're also going to do in this overview is mark references of time. And if those are significant or not, you'll only know if you mark them and look to see what it is that it shows to you. Sometimes you're going to mark these things and you're going to go, I didn't really learn a lot. But mark them anyway. It's one of the steps. These steps are given to you in your how-to study book in chapters 1 and 2. Chapter 1 clearly explains to you what doing an overview is, and, and it describes it. And in chapter 2, it gives you the steps. It tells you, do this, do this, do this. For, um, hold on a second here. I'm going to go to next week's work. You are going to be looking for marking the author, marking the recipient. You're going to be looking for the historical setting by looking for uh, places. If you see a, a notation of a location for you, double underline it with green is what I do. Just in some way note it as, an, as a location. Be consistent in your markings. So your clue to this is start yourself a keywords list. 
I do it on just an, a separate piece of paper and I tuck it in as I move along with my homework. I just move it forward. Every time I mark a keyword, I make it, I mark it on my list and show my colorings for it. Is it yellow? Is it blue? Is it orange? However, I marked it so that then when I do next week's homework, if that keyword shows up again, I can look back on my list and say, oh, I colored it orange. So now I'm going to color it orange again. That way you get a consistent marking through all the way through. So that's another little tip to remember. All, yes. Yes, that's exactly. That's exactly right. And what, since, she, since she brings it up, let me show you. On the back of your book, if you flip your book over, you're going to see some examples of how markings can be done. Do you see these back here? So if you've never done markings on a, for a keyword, this is where you're going to see the examples of how you can mark them. You can mark them any way you want. There are no rules to, to that part of it. It's just that you need to be consistent so that you're familiar with your markings. One of the things that will come up over and over and over, and I bet you can guess them for me, who do you think, as far as people are concerned in the Bible, would come up over and over and over? Oh, gee, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you up front, it does not matter what book we are studying, those are always key words. Even if they don't mention them to you in the instructions or whatever, always mark the, the, the uh, triune God. So I'm just going to show you how I mark it up here. So we have Jesus, we have God, and we have the Holy Spirit. So what do you, how do you think I marked Jesus? There you go. All I do is put a little red cross over it. What do you think about God? I do a triangle. I use purple on, my, on that. And the Holy Spirit? I do a little bird. A dove is what it is. It's a flying dove. <laughs> it's a bird, whatever. It, it just helps. So that way, and I anywhere in my Bible that I have these words marked, marked that's how they're marked okay and if you're consistent in that after a while it'll just become automatic to you and you won't even have to think about it but if you get stuck on ideas Lois will be sending out a chart that came to us through preset ministries several years back now um, that's got a lengthy example sheet on different ways of marking different kinds of words if you're really not artistic and not you can't think in colors I love to think in colors for me I read words and I think color so they're easy for me I pick the color that I feel associates with it and um, but if you need that help that chart will go out Lois will send it to us this week Is a review of what? Of yes, it, it, yeah, and and here, right? The details are in your how-to study book, but if you want a cheat sheet, uh, Margaret is letting us know in, on page ninety-nine on the very back of your book is a, a just a shortened version of um, how to go through the process, how to do chapter study. Now, this is the the. The thing is, this is how to do chapter study, which is you're focusing in on the details of each chapter. Right now, you're doing overview. They are very similar, however. Yeah, it is a, it is a cheat sheet. Thank you, Margaret. Okay, so these chapters, let me just show you. Getting the big picture. 
and setting context. Okay, context is page, in this book, page 17 um, to 23, I guess it is. Look at how many pages that is. Like, what? Teensy-weensy. And they're very large type. You can read this in probably two minutes, okay? So I'm not asking you to do a great deal of work on this, but I do feel that if you read this, even if you've read it before, read it again, it refreshes your mind. It helps you understand what it is that you're about to embark on. You want to set context. This is going to explain to you in chapter one what context is. Chapter two is going to be all the detailed steps step by step, do this, do this, do this. And it's even going to explain sometimes the why behind it, okay? So it's really helpful. One of the things that, then the reasons it took me so long to learn the inductive Bible study process was because nobody ever referred me back to this book. I, I not one of my teachers did. So I would get in and start doing the homework and I'd try to just follow the instructions. And sometimes I'd give an instruction and they say, do your observations. And I'm like, okay. But what does that mean? I didn't even know what that really meant. So sometimes I call and say, well, what does that mean? They go, oh, yeah, mark your author and recipient. And they would just kind of rattle it off like 100 miles. And I'm like, how could I remember all that even? You know. And so it took me a long time to learn this process because I did not use this book. This how-to study book is a resource tool that you are going to use over and over and over. Okay? So don't. Don't feel like you've invested money in something that you've wasted your time on. This is a, an excellent tool. You will use it over and over. And you will not use every chapter in this book for every study you do. Because some of these chapters are specific to certain kinds of literary styles. Okay? So for right now, all you have to do is focus on chapter 1 and 2. Starting next week, you will use chapter 3. That's pretty simple. If there's any more than that, I will let you know as they come up. But for right now, chapter 1 and chapter 2 is what you need to do in your how-to study book. It will explain all the details of what we are doing here. So you're going to look at the entire book, all of its chapter. It's time-consuming, so allow time for your reading. Re I like to just sit and read the whole book through without marking anything at the beginning, although it's so hard because my little hand wants to start doing this immediately. But if you can make yourself just sit and read it through once, it gets you familiar with your text and then begin to to uh, go through and, and mark everything uh, I would recommend if you just can't contain yourself start by marking God Jesus and the Holy Spirit because those are 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 automatically they need to be marked and they may not be even in your instruction okay um, I always tell my students now if you mark a word you're going to need to make a list on it correct so here's something to keep in mind though for this week's homework, because we are doing overview, getting the big picture, you do not want to do uh, lists on book keywords. You only want to begin to do your lists on, on book keywords, not the chapter, book, right? So your, key, your themes that run throughout the whole book. Now, we now have talked about the word joy or rejoice is going to be one of those. So you're going to begin a list on the word joy or rejoice. You're certainly going to begin a list on the word Paul. For instance, now let me just give you some examples of how a list on Paul would... would um, I'm wondering on the time if I really want to do this or not. Maybe I'll talk you through it. Let me just talk you through it. 
The first one would be, for instance, Paul. It begins in the text that he is a bondservant of Jesus Christ. So my very first statement on my list on Paul is he is a bondservant of Jesus Christ. And at the end of it, I put one, one. The next one I said, he writes to the saints. He oversees, uh, uh, to the overseers and the deacons in Philippi, one, one. This gives me bullet information. It should, this, what I have now seen is what motivates him. And I've now seen who it is that he's speaking to, who he's addressing. He's speaking to the saints, which is kind of a general thing we know, but also to some specifics, overseers and deacons, which we know are what? Those would be the leaders of some, it, to some measure. Now, to what degree they are leaders and exactly how they're identified, we're going to study later. But to begin with, we simply want to see that this is who, he's, who he is writing to. He thanks God in his remembrance of them. So I write that down as a bullet point because if someone is thanking God for their, his remembrance of them, what is he doing? What is he literally doing? Praying. So I now see that he is a man of prayer. Even though I don't say he is a man of prayer on my sheet because it's not what is written in the text. The text says, I thank my God. Okay, so you write it exactly as the text says, says it is. Um, Paul is confident that he who began a good work in them will perfect it until the day of Christ. Now, this is interesting because in this statement, we see a, a, an attitude that gets told to us about, about our author, who our author is. We see his attitude begins to surface for us by m m paying attention to this and making a list on it. The, the other thing we see is that there's a day coming, and this day has a specific title. And if you don't know what the day of Christ is or what exactly is speaking of, don't worry. Because when we get into our observations in that chapter, we are going to dig that out. We're going to actually do a word study on it. We're going to do some cross-referencing. We're going to know what the day of Christ is that's being spoken of here. Isn't that awesome? So for, for fundamental building or, or, or you know, strengthening of your knowledge of these kinds of phrases and these terms that are used in Scripture on the whole, this is going to be one of those moments. We're going to slow down. We're going to look at the Word. We're going to say, what is the day of Christ? So that we know what he's speaking of to this audience. So that when he's giving these instructions and exhortations to them, we understand what it is that he has in mind. He has a time, a goal, a, a journey, a a place of arrival to speak of that is coming ahead. It's called the day of Christ. And so for us to expound on that, to understand what it is that is motivating him, is to understand it better by knowing what that day of Christ is. All right. Um, another thing he says in chapter 1-7 that, that gives us, I think, insight about our author, it says, Paul has them in his heart. And I love that statement, because what does that show us about this author? His compassion, his love, his affection for these people, right? It shows you this emotional connection that he apparently has. It's something that's deep. It's, it's tender, right? I love that. And he says, then he goes on to say that they are partakers of grace with him. Now, in this part of the of the statement that I put on this one bullet point it almost could sound like what you're doing is learning something about the recipient 
But the reality is, to me, I see that what this is showing to me about Paul is, how does he view them? What does it mean to be a partaker of grace with him? Maybe it means fellow Christians, right? He sees them as, as uh, joined with him in this uh, journey, right, in this faith. So it shows his, I think, a sense of his humiliation even, the fact he sees himself on equal standing with them before God the Father. So there's going to be some nuances that later we're going to be able to evaluate, but in the beginning what you need to do is you need to say, what does the text say, and just write down what the text says. We'll develop our insights and understanding about it later. Okay, so that's how you do list making. Is there any questions for those of you who are new to this? On the on list, you kind of get the gist of what I was trying to say. Okay, excellent. All right, I, that was one of the harder things for me because I came out of um, discipleship programs where they said, "What do you think and how do you feel? <laughs> what do you think about it and how do you feel about it?" And so everything was my emotions came into the picture and I expounded on what I how I perceived it and that's what I would write down in my my conclusions on things. But that is not what list making is. In inductive Bible study, one of the things about um, list making is that list making is, because it is word for word from the text, it gives you boundaries that help you to be objective, not subjective. Does that make sense? If you're subjective, you can bring into something your own presuppositions. If you remain objective and only write what the text says, not what you think it says, but what it actually says, then what you're doing is you're helping yourself. Once you've completed the whole list, you see very pragmatic thoughts. It says this, it says this, it says this, and there's no emotion attached to it. Um, when we are trying to determine, which is what we are in doing an overview, what we are trying to determine is what is the author's purpose for writing? He also has a motive for writing, but what is his, his goal in writing to them is where we're heading in this. And if you get subjective about how you're looking at the text and what you're reading in it, and you get emotionally connected, sometimes you can latch on to a verse or a thought, and you think that's what the whole book's about. Um, I... And I totally understand this happening. Partly it has to do with personality, but it also partly has to do with spiritual gifting. If you're a, an evangelist, you see everything from evangelism points. If you're a mercy gift person, you're all about mercy and compassion, right? If you're a service person, it's all about do, do, do. So you can end up picking out those verses through a subjective observation of things. So you do not want to do that. When you're making your list, be objective. Write what it says, and then evaluate it without the emotions connected to it. Is that a good understanding? Okay. That's going to help you. In the end, what you're going to do is you're going to eventually be able to keep using that kind of method of being objective, not subjective. What's going to happen in the end is you're going to have sound interpretation that's as accurate as we are humanly possible to do. And, you know, with always, I always give a caveat to the fact that there's always room for error, truly. However, I do really feel that if you use the method carefully and follow it the way it's intended to be done, you will have good sound interpretations on your scriptures. Okay? All right. All right, so you're doing the overview, author, recipient. Going to mark historical references. Um, what else do we do here? 
You are going to also look for contrasts, comparisons, in terms of conclusion at some point. So you might be kind of keeping an eye out for those. One of the great things about contrasts, if you happen to notice as a contrast statement, what might be a, a key word in that sentence that'll indicate there's a contrast? But, but, <laughs> yeah. So often he'll say there's this, but this, right? And when you, when you see contrasts come up in any book, almost always what they are going to do is they're going to point to a specific um, intent, something that he really wants you to see. You could do this, but, right, that. Uh, and, and so contrasts are very helpful to help you eventually come to an understanding of your author's purpose as well. They, they surprise you sometimes, those contrasts. I love them. Okay. Um, what else do we need to cover here? Let me go back to my other sheet. I have so many. <laughs> All right, tools that you're going to need, just so, so you know this. For those of you who are new to this, you're going to need marking pens. You're going to need uh, colored pencils. Um, I suggest you use a three-ring binder like what I did. Take your, your book apart and put it in, in a uh, binder so that it's easy for you to pop it open and pull things out and add things in. You, you will be happy you did. I also use index dividers, too, to divide my chapters just because I want to quickly be able to get to things. It's just a helpful hand. You don't have to, but I think they're really useful. Um, if you prefer to work on a computer rather than manually on paper, go for it. I do almost all my homework on my computer. Um, the nice thing about computer is it's very easy to correct your list. When you've made an error, you can cut and paste and move things around, right? And when you're done, you print it out and just slip it right into your, your section of your uh, homework area that you're working on. Computers are great friends, okay? So those are good. Um, I like to use online tools also, um, like, okay. So we have a list of possibilities. Um, you are at some point, not this week, but at some point we are going to get into doing word studies, I think starting actually the, the following week. And you need to know how to do an, uh, a Greek or Hebrew. In this case, it's going to be Greek word study. And online tools are available, so you don't ever have to buy a thing or cost you a penny. You just have to learn how to use your computer and go online and get those tools there, okay? So she will send us links of possibilities you can go to and practice with. If not, if you have your own Bible programs at home, those are great too. I have a Lagos Bible program that I love, and unfortunately I just had to update it because it, it died on me. Now I'm have to learn it all over again because it's all new. I hate that. <laughs> I liked it better when I just knew right where to go. <laughs> now I'm having to learn it again. All right. Um, how many of you have ever used micron pins for your marking? If you're not familiar with micron pins, I highly recommend them for doing Bible study, this kind of Bible study, because these are your, uh, they're super fine point, they're color, various colors, the package comes in, you know, like eight different colors, I think it is in this package. And they do not bleed through your pages. So you can mark on your observation worksheets, and you can mark in your Bible. And they do not, yes. So let's just pass these around so people can take a look. You can get them at places like Michael's and um, where's the other places that you can get it? 
Hobby Lobby sometimes, or just go through, pre, go through Precept Ministry and order them if you want. Amazon, there you go. Amazon. Everybody's good at You guys are better at this than I am. I think I got mine at um, Office Depot. I think that's where I got mine. Commentaries. Okay, let me just warn you. This is a good time to warn you about this. Commentaries are, are your friend, but not until you've already done all your own work. Um, one of the things inductive Bible study does for us in time is teaches us to come to sound interpretation on our own. And quite honestly, you're going to find it to be so exciting when you've actually done your own homework, done all this research, done all your marking, done all your looking up of words and places and timelining and all these cool things. And then when you start going into commentaries, they're going to just confirm everything you already know that you got right out of the text for yourself. Pardon? Or not. or not. That's true. Thank you, Craig, for being the pragmatic in the room. They sure do. You know, that is, and that is probably one of the most surprising things for me as a student was to find out that sometimes the commentaries were wrong. You know, I always felt like these commentary writers are brilliant, right? But I can tell you now that I've done years and years of this inductive Bible study process, I've come to find out that a lot of commentaries are just wrong. And if they even opened the, the Bible and read that page again, they'd know that what they said was wrong. Be and why they write it sometimes baffles me. The only thing I can say to that is that a lot of these commentary writers write based on their uh, denominational background teachings. And so they try to make what they know and believe fit with what they've looked at in, in the uh, passage or the chapter that they're looking at or talking about. So just keep that in mind. Commentaries are not always correct. So if you will do your own homework first, then you can go to commentaries after you've done the homework. Kay will tell you when. She will say at the end of a lesson, now you may go and look at, and she'll even define, you can only look from verse 1 to verse 12. Don't go beyond that because next week we're going to finish the rest of the chapter. Then you'll be able to go and look at the commentaries on that. But if you don't cheat yourself by going to a commentary, what will happen is you have an, em an empty mind, not really, but you have, you have a clean slate and you haven't been given presuppositions by who you think is a great authority and a great mind because they've written a book, right, and that makes them the authority. So instead of getting... Um, a skew on your thinking by having read a commentary. If you will wait and first do your homework, then after the homework, go and look to see. Then what'll happen is you'll get in, you'll start reading, you'll go, oh, that's really good, that's really good. And then he'll say something, you'll go, what? <laughs> now, why did he say that? And then you have to evaluate in your mind, now, why would he say that? And does that line up with what I just studied? And, and you can think it through. And the fun thing is, is even if you disagree with them, that doesn't that doesn't mean anything profoundly has happened in the world, but what it, ha what it will show to you is this. It will show you men are men, and they are human, and they can make mistakes, right? And it will encourage you, because what you're going to find out is, ah, I know something that, I, that they didn't even know, right? I, see, I saw this truth. And they write this, and it's wrong. And I know it's wrong. Not only, do, not only am I not sure, I know that it's wrong. Because I studied it. This is what we saw, and we all discussed it. We have a classroom here of you know, 40 students or whatever it is that's in here today. And we together can say, yes, this is right, or no, this is wrong. And by the time we're done studying it, we know, right? 
pretty much. It's pretty clear. So if you find an author who has got something off, you're going to recognize it. Pat yourself on the back. That's what you're here for. You're here to train yourself up so that you can discern truth from error. And how often in the Word of God does, does God's Word say to us, be careful, discern, know for yourself. Remember in Hebrews even where it says, you sh you're still babies. You should be mature. You should be teaching this by now. But you're not because you've not trained yourself up in handling the Word of righteousness. Well, you and I, in through this method, we are learning to train ourselves up in the Word of righteousness. That's what, what this is all about. And this training comes at a great expense of time and, and diligence and discipline right? And so once you've done that, and you go to a commentary, and you find out somebody actually wrote something that is incorrect, you know, we don't want to gloat in their error. What we want to do is say, thank you, God, that you taught me that, that I can now know when I see error. Um, another thing that I love to do often after we have done our work is go online, Google a few pastors, and listen to what they have to say on any one of your, our subjects. Because same thing goes here. It's the same thing. You've got now a, a, a screen that you're going to filter everything through because you've studied it. You now know the context of the book, or you know who the author is, and you know the situation or the, or the subject matter that you've just finished studying. And so when you hear a sermon on it, you can filter it through what God's already shown you is true, and you can discern truth from error. And that's what we want to get to a place of maturity on is to be able to discern in that manner. So that's all good kudos for you. But don't go to commentaries and your sermons online until after we have done the study on it, okay? Just don't want to fill your mind up with, with stuff you have to co contradict or we have to c correct. Because sometimes once you get a thought in your mind, it's pretty hard to undo it. All right. Um, so commentaries come later. Another thing that will be fun for you, and you can start it this week even if you wanted to, if you have time, but you, you may not. But I went online and Googled um, the city of Philippi and just found some pictures of, of recent pictures of Philippi. This is really fun to do. It just enhances your study time. It gives you some current pictures of things that are going on, and then they explain to you what they're looking at there. So when, you, when you're doing your overview this week, you're going to be starting to set some context. One of the things we're going to be doing is we're going to be going back into the book of Acts, where a lot of these relationships are going to be shown to us where they started, like Paul and Timothy and others. And you're going to see the journey that Paul was going on. For those of us who studied Acts, it's just going to be a review for us. But for the rest of you, it's going to lay a foundation of context for you. Who's Paul and who's Timothy and what was their relationship before this letter to Philippi, right? That's again, is a, is a context setting for you so that you get an understanding of their relationship, the dynamics that were going on with them, maybe even some previous encounters that they had together, struggles that they've been together, people that they've known, and people that they've either exhorted or rebuked in previous situations together. And, and knowing that history, then when you move into Philippi, it adds it adds a depth of understanding as to what's going on in the dynamics of this conversation that's going on between Paul and his recipients. So that is basically the work you're going to be doing this week. So you need to understand what an overview is, and you need to 
do your, your, do your over, you need to understand what context is rather, and then you need to do the overview to set the context, okay? And the overview steps are all in chapter two, and just follow what Kay says in, in your homework. She'll say day one do this, day two do this, Allow about an hour per day. It may take a little bit longer for the new students because um, it, it, it's just time consuming when you're first learning. You're a little, a little baffled by some of it. Do the best you can. I am not a legalistic teacher. If you don't get everything perfectly, doesn't it? You know, you show up anyway. I know that if you come to class and listen to our discussion and see how we handle what we've looked at this week, that will encourage you, it will exhort you, it will help you to understand better what you should have done. The things that you didn't get done, you'll be encouraged to want to try better even on it the next week. So come to class anyway and listen and we'll move forward, okay? Don't ever try to go back and remake up old homework. Marie, <laughs> which I can remember Marie telling me, oh, I'm going to go back and do that. I'm going, no, you're not. <laughs> it's never going to happen because every week has enough in it for itself, <laughs> okay? So get done what you can for this week. Understand, week one, this week, your overview week, is probably your most important week's work because it sets context. Everything else we're going to study from here on afterward is going to relate back to what the context was that we set. So if you understand your context really well and you did a good job on that, everything after that is going to make better sense to you, okay? So try to work hard on week one. And then it's going to relax after that. And I promise it will. Week one is always the killer because it's overview and it's a lot of stuff to read. But week two slows way down. And it'll, it's going to be so good, you guys. I'm excited. All right, have fun. If you need me, call me. I'm on the list, the telephone, uh, the roster that's, I think there's a roster over there maybe. Where's Loy Lois? She's, she left. <laughs> okay, if you need me, call me. I'm happy to help you all out, okay? Or call your friends, okay? Any questions? Okay.